Hello, and welcome to Barks Remarks, the podcast where we talk about the stories from the legendary Carl Barks, creator of Scrooge McDuck and writer and artist of the greatest Donald and Scrooge comics of all time. Join us as we explore his longer adventure stories in their chronological publishing order. We'll talk about what makes them so enduring, their historical context, and how well they hold up today. So get out your reprint and get ready to enjoy our remarks. Welcome back to Barks Remarks. I'm Mark Severino, a grown man who loves duck comics, and I'm joined by another grown man um, in a in a very different time zone. But um, Jeff, I really appreciate you joining me to talk about a couple of wonderful junior woodchuck stories today yeah um, to be here these are a lot of fun they should be good yeah absolutely i um boy i i i remember these with a lot of fondness um we're going to be talking today about operation saint bernard and 10 star generals uh which kind of set the the template for barks um goofing on on rank and institution uh and military hierarchy and um but but first i need to introduce you because uh this this is the second episode that we've recorded but it's likely going to be the first one that actually that i actually get to release yeah so so jeff moses welcome to the podcast happy to be here as always happy to uh geek out on some ducks here today yeah and and you've got a lot of experience um publicly geeking out on ducks <laughs> right it's it's kind of the thing that you're you would be known for on on the internet <laughs> well or maybe just known for in general possibly but uh yes i have a a blog that some of you may or may not have seen duck comics review r-e-v-u-e um, .blogspot.com, where I, you know, just chat about some docs there. So this is sort of an extension of that for me, kind of being here. Right. Yeah. You get to actually like verbally talk about docs. Exactly. Yeah. It's exciting. Um, and and there's a pretty good chance that if you're a listener of, of this uh, obsessive Carl Barks podcast that you've encountered the Duck Comics review before. Um, but if you haven't, you should really check it out because uh, Jeff's got some great, very witty, fun writing about, um, I would say, mostly Barks stories. But yeah. um, you, you, sort of. you get to cover a lot of the old Disney creators, right? I mean, of course, yeah, sort of a lot of the European stuff, a lot of the more obscure sort of early Western things, you know, occasional you know, Rosa or Van Horn kind of things, but really, and some, you know, mouse stories also. So like Gottfriedson kind of stuff, you know, Casty. So it's a big mix. Right. Because because the Disney comics world um, is is deep and wide, right? Lot, lots of great and, and sometimes ephemeral creators <laughs> uh, from, from over... Yeah, it's a kind way of putting it, but um, certainly not thinking of, of Strobel or anyone specific when I when I say that. Um, I, I may be thinking of Strobel. Um, hey, I like Strobel. I'll defend Strobel, not to the death, but still maybe to the, you know, slight injury. It's uh... Yeah, you know, you know, that that's not fair, right? Because um, mm -hmm. Strobel was was very prolific. So, you know, he had some hits there. Yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah there was definitely... Yeah artists yeah if we're talking say about that, these say that again i talked I there, there were definitely about. worse artists you know working concurrently co with him so concurrently concurrently yeah A absolutely and and it's I, I i love to talk about other creators when i get the chance um but this is you know a, a dedicated barks cast so um, so it, it is fun to get to dive into the other stuff when when opportunity arises but today as I said, we're here to talk about the the, the kind of template setting first couple of Junior Woodchuck stories. 
they, they should pair really nicely. We're going to cover them in order. And we're also going to do something a little bit different that I've only gotten to do once before. Right after we talk about these, we're going to record a totally separate session that talks about Don Rosa's first, um, first foray into the junior woodchucks, uh, an episode about mythological menagerie, which is kind of a spiritual successor to these stories in, in some yeah, ways. I, yeah, so, so that'll give us a, a chance to kind of comment on, on, on how he chose to follow it up. If, if yeah. you're interested in the Don Rosa stories, you can check that out on Rosa Remarks. And, and if you're not, that's fine. Yeah, definitely interesting contrast, I think, between the two. So yeah, right. please. So, so I told you that the required host banter for this subject matter um, is is asking you if you've ever been a junior woodchuck or, or the real world analog, the the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts of America, or or what have you. Yeah, I don't know. That might have might seem like something I would have been interested in, but I was, I mean, I was a pretty shy, retiring child. It has to be said. I remember a few times. I did like go to little sort of Cub Scout meetings, like with a friend there. I don't even remember what if I think we did a few things with tying knots or something like that. And and they wanted us to sell candy. That was the other thing. But yeah, I, I never really uh, got very deeply into that. It's uh, I mean, even though I'm bi a big nature person, a big fan of the outdoors, but I don't know, just never happened quite. How, how about you? So. Um, yeah, you know, I I would say I was also a bit of a shy retiring type. But but I had parents who who liked to encourage wholesome activities like that, and so so I, I did do a couple years of Cub Scouts. Um, I got up to what they call Weeblow, uh, but um, but and and I enjoyed some aspects of it, but then there were other aspects of it that just just weren't for me. But I, I remember I had the I had the Cub Scout handbook, you know, and and I felt that like that was pretty special because of the Junior Woodchucks. Yeah, handbook. yeah, I would have liked to have something like that just because of the Woodchucks Association, really. But, uh... Right, and I think if you're a kid, even if you are not the Cub Scout type, the Junior Woodchucks themselves are just so appealing, right? With their absolutely with their neat hats <laughs> and their just magical plot solving guidebook exactly yeah it's uh very uh, yeah it's interesting to sort of see you know huey dewey and louie can be portrayed as just sort of ordinary kids or else these kind of hyper competent sort of outdoorsmen or like later environmentalist kind of characters it's uh it's interesting fun yeah for sure the uh, it's a, the, that's the interesting thing i guess about the woodchucks over the years it's it's probably the the thing that barks wrote the longest right because he he did write a few additional stories into the 70s um that that he didn't draw um the other artists drew them and don yippus later you know kind of redid them and and those stories take a a, a really interesting environmentalist turn yeah a little bit uh heavy-handed i would say a lot of those things they're uh, probably not not among my favorite bark stories but certainly interesting yeah yeah i think i think i feel pretty much the same about them they're very interesting and and there's there's a few standouts but for the most part sure. it's it's not necessarily my bag but but these stories are going to be a lot of fun to talk about uh we are going to cover operation saint bernard first and uh the there's a couple of notable things about this right it's um it is our i believe this is our first woodchuck appearance yeah yeah this this is our first appearance of the junior woodchucks they're pretty fully formed 
uh, Barks immediately has an idea of what he wants to do with this. And it just, it works it really does. so well. Yeah, it is kind of remarkable when you point it out how sort of the vision seems to be pretty fully formed. I mean, it's, uh, but wouldn't uh, change that much. I mean, a little bit, but not that much in future stories, I'd say. Right. Probably the biggest contrast is just with the earlier versions of the nephews, because as you said, he has these wildly different portrayals of them. And and in like the stories of the 40s, they're much more mischievous and and kind of in line yeah. with the, um, the, the old uh, cartoon shorts. Yeah, sorry. No, I mean, the later stories get like as more extravagant with, you know, the badges and the medals and all these things. But yeah, I mean, right. so. Right. That's that's the thing that it's especially known for is those extravagant titles, um, the, the great acronyms that he uses. Yeah. And and just it, it's very funny. It's I think one of his funniest kind of running gags. I, you sense that that he got a big kick out of doing those himself. Um, the other notable thing about this story is that it is a very significant appearance of the Duck family's dog. They're they're. I don't know. Is it right to call him beloved? He, he's kind of, he's there sometimes. This is. I'm, I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah. Dogs in general. I don't know. Sure. Why not? He can be beloved. What the hell? Right. I, I mean, so we're talking about Bolivar uh, is kind of the official name of the character. I don't know about <laughs> calling an, a, when you look him up on the various reference sites, he's called a non-anthropomorphic animal. Uh, yeah. Which is a funny designation, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, he does he does play checkers in that one uh, later story? If you remember, with um, Gyro's right. helper, I think. It's... That's right, but but yeah, this is one of those weird situations where you've got an animal in this world of of humanoid animals, but but he is not a Barks creation, even though Barks has used him notably a few times, right? He is. Um, he goes back to the cartoons during in 1936. Yeah, I'm not really familiar with those uh, early cartoons. That's uh, they're kind of new to me. Yeah, th this was in a cartoon called Alpine Climbers, um, which I I know I've seen, but it's been probably three yeah, yeah. decades. Um, boy, Jeff, I th this is. This is a 10-page podcast episode, and I usually mention that I feel licensed to do less research, but but I did go a little bit out for this just because we've got these notable appearances. But he's going to be called, he's, he's got a different name in this one. What do you think about the name? <laughs> um, I, I find the name a little bit uh, baffling, I have to say. He's called... Uh... On the spoiler, born worthy in this story. I always, I always think it should be bone worthy for like a you know dog thing. I always read it that way at first, but yeah, I don't know, born worthy. What I mean, it's just some sort of a nobility, like dog aristocracy. I don't know. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a hoot. Um, I I love both names to be honest, but but I do definitely think of him as Bolivar. Uh, but yeah. but born worthy in the context of this story is 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 pretty darn funny. Yeah, um, I, mean, I guess it was, uh, I mean, I, guess, I mean, my understanding is that it was changed so as not to, you know, offend South Americans by naming them after the, you know, liberator. It's... Right, yeah, um, Simon, Simon, right? Simon Bolivar. Yes, yeah. Right, he is a, a famous national icon of Venezuela. Like multiple countries. I mean, of right, course, right. he's named after him and, you know, he liberated a few other countries too, so. Right. Big deal. Yeah, he's a he's a pan South American, um, at least if you're on a certain side of the political spectrum, I guess. 
Um, although he probably crosses crosses political lines in some yeah, ways, but, but I, it's I, a very dangerous territory. I really uh... <laughs> right, right. Let's let's make some controversial political statements about <laughs> South American idea. geopolitics in this <laughs> exactly. Um, but but it's a very ornate, flowery name for for yeah. for this lazy Saint Bernard, which is great. And and I goofed on calling him beloved. I he's a very cute character. I like him a lot. Yeah, he, for sure. He was also widely used by Al Taliaferro in in the Donald, um, you know, short gags over the yeah. years. So so it's natural for Barks to use him, um, and 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 to pretty great effect, I would say, in this comic. So the one thing that I kind of invert when I do these ten page podcasts is I I actually like to mention briefly the the ranking on Index beforehand um, when yeah. I talk about the kind of the story details and. And uh, if we're covering two stories, it kind of gives us a chance to compare them. This story was first published in February of 1951. This is a really solid period for Barks' (laughs) 10 pagers and and stories in general, I guess. Uh, Operation St. Bernard was first published in Walt Disney's Comics and Stories, number 125. And it is well it's it's fairly well regarded by the community. I would say it gets a rank of 620 out of all 42,000 whatever stories on Index. Um, that's a 7.3 rating, um, which is is a pretty solid 10 pager rank. Yeah, I do think it's sort of a kind of meaningless in some ways to sort of compare the 10 pagers versus the longer stories. It feels like they're just sort of such different beasts. That uh... yeah, that that's a great point. And people really. Um, they think they, they just remember the adventure stories yeah. differently. Yeah. So, Jeff, what I did for a talking point is I have my own spreadsheet of just the 10 pages right. okay. pulled sense. out because um, that gives us a good idea of how, how people think about them compared to each other. And if you check it out there, it is like roughly at the like 34th or 35th percentile. It's in the top third of his 10 pagers as, as far yeah, as the community should be, I would say. Yeah. It's uh, out of what, yeah. like 500 or so probably. It's, uh... Well, like there, there, he has that many stories total, but that counts like stories, even gag stories. Technically. Oh, so, so there's roughly, cause, cause it's kind of debatable. What's a, what's a 10 pager. Um, but there are, there's roughly 270. Um, okay. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So things I wouldn't have known before I obsessed about. Yeah, so it's less than I thought. So, you know, it's reasonable. Math probably adds up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's a nicely regarded story, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna go through um the action right here and comment on it. Um, maybe not in gruesome detail, but but this hmm. is a lot of fun. All right. So. Um, so Jeff, Operation St. Bernard kicks off. This is a wintertime story. That's very important. I, I really like, Bark seems to like doing the wintertime stories. Yeah, sure. You know, in, in comics, it gives you a seasonal hook. And and Donald is really excited at the big snowstorm that's just hit that he sees as he's collecting the milk from the milkman, a nice, a nice quaint little yeah. detail. Um at, he's excited to go skiing, but the nephews are really absorbed with um, with this as the perfect opportunity to to get their O R S T B or, or O R Saint B. Um, yeah. And they're 
they're getting getting equipment ready, consulting a map, and Donald is kind of yeah. puzzling over over what this is. And and they explain that they've got this test scheduled. It's not war games that if they pass this goofy acronym test, they will become brigadier generals in the junior woodchucks with, yeah. with merit badges. It's hard to remember they were mere colonels here in this first story. It's... <laughs> yeah, um, I, I'm not. I'm not very good with my military rankings, so I had to like refresh myself. But um, but it is so funny as we're gonna find out at the end or in the next story that their their rankings start. What is it? They start at mere majors. Major. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, yeah. I was definitely going to mention that, but uh, yeah, yeah, that is not not to step on that, but um, but yeah, it's 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 <clears throat> it's a great detail, right? Like. Like Barks is is totally he he's he's just sending up the the whole idea of rank mm -hmm. hierarchy here. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you think that is? Is it just is it just funny, Tim? Is it an anti-authoritarian thing? I mean, I doubt he was uh, sort of trying to make a very you know firm statement about these things. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose probably in sort of a low-key way, it's sort of maybe uh sort of making fun of. You know, this kind of, you know, hierarchy kind of authority as he would do. It's uh... right. Because when I think back on a lot of the Bark stories that have military men, they're usually those like hyper competent examples right. um, or, or rangers or, you know, um, but, but here and there. Well, I mean, it always seems a little bit sort of exaggerated, like he's sort of making fun of it, even if he's. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah maybe of, over the top. It's great. Yeah. Um. So, so you know, Donald Donald needs to be clued in on what's going yeah. on here, and they and they explain that um, they've been training for this test where they need to train a dog to go out in the snow and look for lost travelers, um, and very conveniently, they happen to have a Saint Bernard, <laughs> their their good old dog sitting by the fire born worthy there and, and apparently because he is an actual saint bernard they get the opportunity to win an additional merit badge and and jeff there's something a little <laughs> bit atypical here for later donald is actually like really excited and yeah really what, what do you think about that yeah i mean it really is uh interesting and obviously a big contrast with the uh with the next story we're going to be looking at here but i mean I mean, I kind of, I, I like it really. I kind of, I think it's interesting to see sort of different uh, sort of visions of Donald's sort of ideas of how he is. I mean, why why he went from this to uh, to his behavior in 10 star generals, I guess that question is open for debate, sort of hard to right. say, but uh, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, Barks just, I think he just has these different story molds, right? And this one is is about the test itself. And that next one is more about that. I, th I think he's used to writing these antagonist stories. Mm -hmm. They almost write themselves, you know, that's such a formula. Yeah, um, but but as you say, it's open, <laughs> open to debate. But he's very excited for them. He's very proud. And it's it's actually kind of sweet. I, I know. Take a look at the top panel of the second page. Um, there's some really fun bric-a-brac. <laughs> yeah, there is. And one of Bark's very goofy, goofy family portraits in the background. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. We have a uh, yeah this portrait, and there's a little sort of Buddha, I guess, statue. And what is that? Oh, an God. elephant below that? Maybe a little elephant. And can't tell quite what's on the bottom shelf. Is that uh, some kind of little vase or or yeah um, something 
incense uh, holder or something. It it suggests a pretty cosmopolitan Donald here. But, yeah, it's uh. But but at the end of this page, we get the the great comic beat of the story as the nephews like wake Bornworthy. Um, I, I'll call him Bornworthy, but again, I am thinking of him as Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, they they wake him up and they push him away from his his nice toasty fire in, out into the snow, and he just gives it this this look of dismay. <laughs> Um, because do, do you want to, why don't you tell us, Jeff, about Bornworthy's reaction here? <laughs> well, Bornworthy, good old Bornworthy, isn't, uh, isn't feeling it in spite of the fact that, you know, there's snow like you used to have it in the Alps, as one of the nephews says to him. He is not feeling it. He has not retained his noble forebears, uh, sort of snow sense, apparently. So he charges back inside, uh, sort of to, you know, desperately warm himself up in front of the fire, and there's clearly going to be a struggle here. Right. It's it's a great comedic beat, right? This is classic um, cartoon and comic book stuff. Animal that is, like, designed for a purpose, uh, is afraid of that thing, or or <laughs> has great distaste for it. It's, it's a great setup. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wouldn't have realized this without doing that bit of research, but they, as you say, they refer to like you used to have it in the Alps. I always assumed they were referring to his ancestors, but um, that little fact sheet I read about Bolivar says that, you know, the Mickey, Donald and Goofy actually did bring him really? from, the, from the Swiss Alps. So oh, I wonder I don't know if I... that's supposed to be like a little reference. Sparks is not big for continuity, but, um, yeah, but they are a... pretty direct about that. I'm not sure how canonical that is. I think people could introduce different ideas for Boulevard's origins, and probably no one would complain very much. Right, right. But, you know, obviously he is an actual St. Bernard, um, which is a dog from the Alps that, you know, was, like, specifically bred to be useful in rescuing people in the snow and in the mountains. Yeah. It is a giant breed of dog that is called, um, uh, known as one of the Molosser breeds and was apparently originally bred in a, near a mountain pass called St. Bernard's in a parish by some monks. So, you know, they, they get a tow line, and Donald uh, pulls him out with a chain. Uh, this is something that happened to Donald himself in Wintertime Wager. That um, right. Yeah, of course. Classic story. Yeah, that... and, and the next couple of pages are just going to be them set at Frostbite past the location of the they're going to do a training run before they call out their their leader to give them the actual test um one more practice run and, and it's just all these funny bits of uh boulevard of Bornworthy huddling on the warm side of the tree yeah. straining to get home um is there anything you want to call out about this sequence here that you really like well i mean the whole thing is a uh, whole thing is fun i mean i definitely like uh sort of Donald's adversarial attitude towards him on the, uh, I guess, particularly on the fourth page here, we have this, you know, at the bottom, this zow sound effect there as Donald sort of zooms past him and then it sort of gets right up in his face there. Going to, you going back to your job, noble beast, or do I have to get the tow car? <laughs> so that's a, that, that's a, a fantastic panel that m might be my favorite of the story because it's got that snappy bit of dialogue and also just donald squaring <laughs> up against saint bernard um uh let's see oh i really like barks's narrator box here there there are two kinds of saint bernards the valorous kind 
and born worthy. Mm. So, you know, Donald gets an idea here that's, that's I think, pretty solid. Um, you want to tell us about what he's going to do? Well, it's... Uh... See, it seems uh, Boulevard, or Born Worthy, hasn't uh, eaten very much this morning. So Donald, you know, trying to be hopeful here. You know, he's trying to sort of intervene in the woodchuck's favor, but uh, goes home to get some uh, sausages or wieners, the popular uh, favorite of uh, dogs, of animals everywhere, especially in comics here, so that when the... uh, the junior woodchucks uh commander in chief comes to uh to you know observe to see that they've passed the test born worthy is going to uh, actually you know do something other than just trying to you know dash back home so that's right. the plan I, Which- I really like the little bit here where they they know he, he ate a very light breakfast three <laughs> eggs four pork chops and six cans of dog food um and this of course is after donald has taken a crack at like posing as a rescue you know someone who needs to be rescued yeah. hoping his like instincts will kick in but but to no avail so we do get the the what is his rank the master <laughs> the commander-in-chief yeah, whoever he is he's, yeah. he's got the same hi-hat woodchuck uh tail you know um coonskin would this be a coon this would be a coonskin cap right i would say so yeah i i guess it's worth noting we we kind of these are invisible to us because we've seen them so many times but this is a neat little cultural artifact from the days when like davy crockett was the biggest thing on tv Um, it would have preceded this right um surely i would uh surely sort of certainly the pop cultural sort of cachet of davy crockett has to be uh you know what it was 1954 Hmm. so i guess i guess this preceded it but like i you sense that this was probably something i know that davy crockett is what made this coonskin cap explode in popularity i wonder how the hat first got popular i mean it's like a tail wagging the dog thing yeah that's uh i don't know i mean i think uh i mean the davy crockett was sort of a sort of a must have been a popular sort of pop culture figure in some sense before the uh tv show but i admit i don't necessarily know what i'm talking about here right right yeah that's that's interesting it's weird to me that this i'm surprised that this precedes it because we're in 1951 yeah Hmm. Oh, is, uh... interesting. Well, I guess, I guess I guess I have no choice but to say <laughs> that the kids here launched the coonskin cap. Exactly. Yes. Trail <laughs> blazers. Um, so so you know he he comes the leader comes and he sees born worthy straining, which he thinks is a, a sign of excellent training. <laughs> um, but the nephews are pretty savvy here. They they smell an rat. They say in uh, sotto voce. Um, because this is a pretty quick change in behavior, but they don't say anything because you sense that Donald has probably put them in an awkward situation yeah. here. And and indeed, he's got those wieners you've mentioned. He says, attaboy, born worthy old bum, come get your wieners. He was just carrying them with him when they went out here somehow, just had them around. Right. Cartoon, cartoon wieners are always conveniently available. Yeah. And, and you know, born worthy is going to grab that, whole string unfortunately and and reveal donald's um scheme just as the the leader is in the process of giving them their grand promotion 
Um, do you want to tell us about the the next this little cheating moment here? Well, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty brutal because cheating is in the Junior Woodchucks is unpardonable, I'm afraid. And uh, so the, then Donald comes and uh, sort of fesses up to what he's done, which is pretty good. I kind of like it, kind of sort of noble on his part in a certain sense. But anyway, they're going to be given another one more chance, one more chance. And if you fail, you will be demoted to mere majors, the lowest rank in the junior woodchucks. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, That's I don't know if you riot. It is. I don't know if you like the, the Futurama joke. You know, I award you the lowest rank possible, an A minus minus. Minus. But that's right. Arts, you know, got there first, seemingly. That's right. It, it's great. And look at the the poor nephew's hangdog expression. Yeah. yeah. Um, also wonderful yeah this this grand exalted whatever um he's he cracks me up because he's so ornate he's got those epaulets is that what you call them <laughs> yeah yeah um, all, all the signaling is great and he's gonna take he's gonna take donald up there to make sure there's no more chicanery um that he can't cheat and he gives the signal from the top of the hill uh which which is a um which i guess is a major mistake a low rank <laughs> mistake because uh, he triggers an avalanche and and gets the two of them buried while the nephews are just pushing and pushing <laughs> and old Bornworthy there. Yeah, Bornworthy is not into this. He uh, I don't think he ever really has a clear grasp of what's going on or ever you know cooperates with them in this story. Right, right. His food or warmth. Yeah, that's that's his one character beat is is straining back to uh, for the, for the home for his food warmth comfort. He's he's very funny. Like I, for for a one note little animal character, I I find him just just utterly lovable. And I, and I love the nephews pleading <laughs> with him. If he only goes up that fast, they'll feed him caviar for a month. Does he um, like caviar? Is that a thing of his? Maybe. It's, uh... Right, right. Caviar for a month for a dog that can eat <laughs> six cans of dog food, et cetera, yeah, though. Uh, that, that, I, I don't think the ducks are going to support that. So anyway, by and by, there is a major snowstorm as um, Donald and the leader drag themselves out of the snow. And uh, they, they unfortunately pick the wrong way down this pass which seems to is likely to lead them in on the barrens of blizzard flats which which will be a, an interesting name during the warmth of summer but um yeah <laughs> uh you want to you want to take us home with the the last bit here well, while those guys are, uh, you know, doing their thing, getting lost here, the nephews are sort of, uh, sort of alarmed, sort of freaking out. But eventually, they sort of, uh, you know, pull themselves together, and you know, Donald and the commander are sort of, uh, sort of almost resigned to their fate. There, our situation is hopeless. Nothing can save us now except one thing: a superbly trained Saint Bernard dog. So, the <laughs> lucky break, yeah. So then the nephews uh, come up in a snowcat there to uh, rescue them, but oh no, they're still lost. But wait, Bornworthy here, tied to the uh, to the snowcat here, and since he uh, unerringly wants to uh, go home where it's warm, he's uh, pulling in the right direction. So all is saved in the end. I I, I love it. This is a great a great <laughs> resolution. It's it's very comedic. It's very character driven. Um, I love how I, I love how it's the one thing that can save them, right? Is is the one test yeah. uh, that's gonna that's gonna come back as he basically is gonna recycle this um, this sort of 
uh, storyline for for the next his like follow up to this. Uh, and now we get a great little three panel <laughs> capper here. Yeah. You want to tell us that? I really am. It's, it's just funny, like the way it's uh, phrased in that first panel there. For saving two lives, I hereby commission you boys five star generals in the Junior Woodshocks. Also, you get merit badges. <laughs> it's just someone just putting that on their end there. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. And, uh, yeah. and since Bornworthy here is hero of the day, he gets a special merit badge. But unfortunately, he eats it. So that's uh... because he thought it was a cookie. Exactly. Yeah. I I love his I love his podium, his ceremony. You can already see him eyeing it, thinking, "Oh, is that a cookie?" <laughs> yeah, he does. Uh... So so this is adorable. This is this is a great ten pager. I think it's not like it's not like an all time classic, but I, I I will say this is. This is an excellent story. It's, um, I mean, I, I, if anyone else turned this in, I would probably call it an all-time classic, right? Yeah. This, this is just, just a, a perfectly sure. constructed, tight Junior Woodchuck story. Um, it's very entertaining. Just for Barks, though, this is a run-of-the-mill great story, right? Right. Yeah, I'd say so. But, but very entertaining and and just a great introduction to the the world of the junior woodchucks with their uh, obsession with rank and and hierarchy and merit badges and and titles i i do note there that the you know on that first that panel that you were highlighting there's a little sign that says chapter number one junior woodchucks um which which is something that don rosa is going to make some great hay out of later in his his woodchuck stories as he like really develops this like mythology around them um which you know you sense barks didn't didn't he to him i think they were just the cub scouts right or the boy scouts and they were just this chance to to poke a little bit fun of hierarchy and and rose is certainly going to do that as well but he's gonna he's gonna have his own kind of fun with it i guess yeah right on it's uh if i could just uh point out like just one thing that sort of uh i don't know sort of interests me in this story that uh so beginning on the first page it's uh when you know they're talking about uh you know you know, taking this test, doing this thing, and they constantly are referring to themselves as, you know, Colonel Dewey, Colonel Louie, Colonel Huey, like that. And, you know, and, you know, at the bottom of the panel, they say, you know, we're not playing war games, Uncle Donald. And, well, yeah, arguably, I think in a certain sense, they are sort of having some fun with this and sort of getting into this in this sort of juvenile way that kids kind of do. So I think that's kind of charming and sort of well-observed, I would say, on uh, on Barks's part. Right. Yeah, arguably the whole institution of the Boy Scouts is is playing war games, right? The idea was like, <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, it has a weird background if you dive if you dive into it. I've listened to a couple of podcasts about it, and uh, it's it's interesting mm-hmm. um, yeah. in its inception. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great thing to reference because that's another thing that Barks really likes to point out how they like to call each other by these professional titles and yeah. and men and so forth. So yeah, a lot of fun. I I, I hadn't read this one in, in some time, and uh, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, um, and then before we transition to our next story, Jeff, I don't think you covered this one in um, in your Duck Comics review, did you? Not thus far. No, it's. Uh, I will also. Uh, I was just sort of idly looking around, looking on the Index page, looking at some uh, foreign publications, yeah. and I just uh, I just wanted to note like one uh, foreign title here, which is. 
title in Brazil, which is, I don't think I should even try to pronounce it, but the translation... Oh, that, that's, of, that's part of the fun. Please do. Equem salva o San Bernardo, question mark, which according to Google Translate means, and who saves St. Bernard? So yeah. uh, there's a thought for you, a question. Yeah, that's a good one. And thank thank you for reminding me because I usually um, do the, I call it my pandering to international sure. listener, um, which I like to do. I wonder, let's see, are there any good ones in the languages I speak? I got an acronym in the Italian one. Papalino E-S-S-S-B, I'm assuming is how you pronounce those letters. Yeah, I would presume it's sort of an acronym for something similar to the... Right. Right. And then let's see. Spain. Oh, El Tormento de Tormenta is the, the I'm, I think that must be a fun little pun that means the, the torment of the storm. Okay. Uh, my, my Spanish <laughs> so. serve. All right. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. I appreciate it. Um, we're going to transition to uh, this next story, which I kind of thought of in my own head as like the true first junior woodchuck story mm -hmm. even if it's not like really it just it just feels to me like it is the uber woodchuck yeah story. i would say so. so jeff uh 10 star generals here 10 star generals was first published just just a few months later in september of 1951 and um that was in walt disney's comics and stories number 132 all right so yeah 10 star generals is the the ex post facto title because of course barks never really gave these 10 pagers titles and and this one is basically it's going to be concerned with another of these woodchucks tests right the the woodchucks are on their way to the mill pond up in the woods um and donald uh is doing some gardening we see him doing a lot of that landscaping or gardening or whatever um and and he's a little bit concerned about how dangerous it is but they explain that they have to go there to try out for merit badges in the junior woodchucks and we get this nice little rundown of the three different tests, um, which are going to kind of inform the contours of the story. Je I'm just going to read the nephew's dialogue because, as you said in the last one, it's just so funny the way they refer to themselves by their ranks. Um, General Huey there must make a bow and arrow for his badge in archery. Uh, do you want to tell me Donald's reply? And, and Donald replies... He'll shoot himself in the breadbasket. And General Dewey must make a canoe for his badge in Indian crafts. General Dewey will drown his fool self. Uh, and then Louis says he won't drown, for I'll be there training for my badge in life-saving. I see um, that I better go along. You generals are asking for a trip to the groan bin, which is, I don't think I've ever heard groan bin in any other... Uh, Sparks just tosses these out, and and, and it's, it's just just in these funny animal comics, right? But they're they're such great little non sequiturs. A trip to the grown bin. That, that's hilarious. I love that. And and this this is set up immediately as being a very oppositional, right? Donald yeah. versus the nephews comic. Uh, and and you know the nephews are annoyed to have him tagging along. Um, saying that, you know, woodchucks are taught to fend for themselves. And uh, besides, the exalted Grand Marshal will be there when they try out for the badges. Donald has a great comment there. He'll mire down in the mud with a title like that. <laughs> 
This is excellent. Well, you know what I like about this story is uh, sometimes Barks does this where he he sets up the little like micro geography of a story really well. If you look at this nice splash panel on the second Mm -hmm. page, um, you can basically see every place that the rest of the story is going to play out. Yeah, that is nice. I hadn't really, uh, I think, noted that very well before. Yeah, it's the type of thing that I only notice by like thinking obsessively about these stories. Um, but I just I find it very satisfying when I know. Sure. Oh, look at that! I can really I noticed it recently on the Golden River. There was like one panel where I'm like, oh look, I can see all these all these places where these scenes are going to play out, and it just gives stories such a nice sense of cohesion that I think is one of many of the reasons why he is as as great as he was. And and so you know the nephews get to it. And we get this really fun, memorable character beats from Donald uh, and a funny exchange. Do you want to tell us about it, Jeff? <laughs> well, Donald is a sort of watching them and thinking, man, you, you, you kids are really serious about this wood shocking. Of course, of course. Then let me help you. I used to belong to a real outfit, the little boonheads. Little little boneheads, nephew says. I never heard of them. Little boonheads. We had heads like Daniel Boone. So that's sort of a, yeah, we were sort of talking about the coonskin caps a little in the last one, but here it's sort of is explicit, sort of. Yeah. Right. And, and it's it's interesting that, you know, the nephews are wearing these hats, but they don't they don't recognize the reference, but but they need to not recognize it for the sake <laughs> of the comedy there. This, and I really like it. A... It's just such a light touch. You know, he just uh, barks, doesn't like belabor it or anything. It's just uh, sort of Donald says it and then the kid makes the obvious uh, play on it. And, you know, right. Um, there it and, is. and it's, it's very funny, this like this little casually tossed off boneheads insult. It really doesn't, it works so much better in print, right? As it, we're reading it, it, boon and bone don't really sound like each other. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. but, but they're like an eye rhyme, I guess, is, is what, yeah, what you would call it. But but it's it's ve- it's a very funny bit. And, and you know, <laughs> this is something that Don Rose is, is definitely gonna kind of go to town with in, in his yeah. later stories. Um, I imagine other creators uh, have used this. I can't remember anything That's specific. Big, yeah. um, and so at this point, you know, Donald starts to offer them some help with their various tasks. And uh, General, I guess it's General Louis. I, I don't remember which nephew. I usually have a policy of just saying the nephews, but they are names with yeah. specific tasks here. Well, the, the nephew that's going to be doing the life-saving scolds Donald, saying it's against the rules for woodchucks to have help. But, but he offers to let him be his practice dummy for practicing life-saving. <laughs> but Donald is just so set on helping Huey make his bow and arrow. Do you mind setting this, uh, telling us about this sequence? Well, Donald's, uh, Donald certainly has the idea that he's going to help with this uh, bow here. He's going to just sort of did he actually make bows as a child, as a, as a little boonhead? It's sort of sort of hard to say what actually, you know, they did there. But he has a very sort of a simplistic, probably, idea of bow making. So he just sort of, I don't know, just bends a branch, you know, ties a, a string to it and just sort of makes a crude arrow out of wood. And there you go to the uh, nephew's um, unexcited response of great, grand, superb. Yeah. I really like I like I like this sequence a lot um, because as you say it's that kind of simplistic childlike uh, approach of um, oh bows are bendy bows <laughs> bows are curved they they need to bend you got to bend a bow 
Um, that's what it feels like a, a very small child might think of it. Yeah. And, and so, but the woodchuck has this great response where Donald says it bends like rubber. And he says, woodchuck's bows bend like steel. Oh, yeah. um, it, it's, it's great. It's a very know-it-all response, but I think it, I think it's a good little uh, kid empowerment yeah. thing because our, our reader at this point, they probably know that. They probably have been reading a lot about cowboys and Indians in this era. They probably already know that. Donald should too, but it's just a little bit of like wish fulfillment, I think, for the readers to feel kind of smug that they know better than Donald. Yeah. That's my perception. I do remember like when I was small, I had a little, you know, toy bow and arrow with like, you know, the rubber sort of arrow heads on it. And, you know, I mean, that was sort of, you know, it was for kids. It was like easy to pull. And then the first time I ever encountered a real bow, it was a uh, pretty, uh, pretty shocking wow this, this this is not easy this uh right you can't just pull this out like uh like nothing there it's yeah yeah exactly this is that experience that i had too because i had i had the same toy bow and arrow probably um and then i took like a little summer camp where we got to fire off real bows and arrows and i was struck by the fact that a it was like taller than i was and and b you know it's it's super rigid and super hard yeah. to pull i I'm pretty sure, I, I remember distinctly as a child, we had a couple of olive trees in my yard. Um, wow. that were, I remember after doing this, after reading this story, like trying this out, making <laughs> bows and arrows with those branches. Those branches were a little bit bendy, but they were actually pretty good for this. So I made a couple of bows and arrows like yeah. Donald's with string, but I, I did keep um, the, the woodchuck's counsel yeah. in mind. You know, the, the wish fulfillment in this is strong, right? Kids love the idea of being able to do this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you want to tell us about the, the canoe sequence here? Yeah, the canoe sequence is pretty great here, too, where uh, Dewey's trying to, you know, build a canoe, just, you know, build a canoe as one builds a canoe, and Donald uh, criticizes him, terrible, you should fasten those sticks together with screws, while wow, Junior Woodchucks use strips of bark. So Donald decides, that once again, he's going to show, you know, show him what's up, so he just sort of gets uh, seemingly a rotten log there, seemingly pulls it out of the river and sort of uh, starts just whacking it, seemingly, with a stick to try to to uh, hollow it out. And then, uh, I, I love this part, I love this line, and presto, we had an early American log canoe. First guy that rides in it will be a late American. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm glad you called that out. That, that, that cracks me up. That's a really funny exchange. It's great. I guess these are both technically ways that uh, Native Americans would have made made canoes, right? There is like a, it's called a dugout canoe, but but it's, you're not, I don't think you're supposed to use basically a rotten log. No, to I do wouldn't it. think so. And the clear thing here is that they're trying to do it the, the woodchuck way, which really is the Native American way, right? They're, they're supposed to be doing it um, using only tools yeah. in nature. It's this kind of like 50s era obsession, uh, really strong interest that people had in kind of Indian lore. It was this, sure, there was yeah. this like hero villain relationship with Native Americans culturally at this time where, you know, little boys loved to fight them in Cowboys and Indians, but then they they loved to be them as well. This is the kind of thing that really fascinates me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I was small, I mean, this was obviously well past the 50s, but I sort of, when I was a kid, I sort of did have this sort of a, sort of fantasies about like living off the land and like sustainable, like 
living wild living and stuff like that, which never put into practice would have been a disaster. But uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was it was culturally still very strong by the time that I was a kid. You know, I remember reading like books like Sign of the Beaver and so forth that that really yeah, lots of Indian uh, Native American books, really. Very funny exchange. Uh, the other nephew on, on the next page says, yeah, try it out, Uncle Donald, so I can save you from drowning. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, Donald is, is not very likable in this story have you have you like well i mean he's not uh well i mean yeah he's certainly portrayed that way but i do think that uh you know i mean i think i read this story i'm pretty sure i read it when i was small but sort of reading it as a grown-up i sort of uh i do kind of uh sympathize with him i have to say more than i did in the past because i mean yeah i mean he's definitely annoying has his annoying aspects but i mean it's clear you know as a you know, sort of a parental figure and his sort of his whole sort of ego and his sort of desire to be respected and looked up to by them is sort of uh, getting all mixed up in this, I think. And obviously, it's, you know, not working out. He's just sort of the more he thrashes around, the sort of more the deeper he gets in there and sort of being seen as a laughing stock. So, uh, I mean, I think uh, sort of under the surface, there's you no know, a little bit of pathos here, I think, also. Right. And he doesn't want to be maybe uh, there, there's that fear of your kids outshining you, exactly. right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the woodchucks gradually are finishing because they've taken a lot more time. Um, and, and again, they have to do it the woodchuck way. They've used twisted bark for bowstring. There's, there's an exchange here that's a little uncomfortable as Donald laughs at him saying, us boonheads used string. Um, and again, we're ramming the point home that, you know, woodchucks are taught to get along without department stores. And Donald takes real umbrage to this saying that's another insult i'll show you that us boonheads weren't sissies if that's what you're hinting um yeah. you know the, the word sissy is half there yeah definitely it's... yeah he's, he's trying to rip it out of out of uh his nephew's hand sissy is you know it was totally common usage yeah, back yeah. then it's like uh basically a, a boy who's acting in a girly way but you know it, it reads it reads a little that's bit different true. nowadays um and, and so, you know, Donald kind of stews for a little while. And as the exalted Grand Marshal of uh, Duckburg Borough number 13, um, I guess he's not going with, with number one. No continuity here. Well, it become more complicated, you know, with, with um, he was just called Commander in Chief in uh, St. Bernard. But here he's the Grand Exalted Marshal. So sort of a little bit title inflation there. Yeah. And, and I didn't really look closely. Is this, do you think this is supposed to be the exact same guy? It's certainly similar. I think he uh, looks a little bit different. I mean, he just looks like that sure. archetype. Of yeah. The, I mean, of the know, those those chucks all look, yeah, pretty similar. To each other. They're interchangeable regardless. So yeah, he arrives and Donald is like, hey, my nephews aren't here. They're off practicing the life saving. So he gets the idea to hide the nephew's stuff and he wants to show them up by having having his stuff perform very well on that test. Uh, it's kind of amazing that, uh, I mean, that, I mean, he, he must really have actual confidence in his stuff, even though you would think he would be, 
you know, a little self-aware that he was sort of fooling himself, but apparently right. not. Yeah, he's pretty deluded here, right? Because like they've they've specified that we're not allowed to use string, um, <laughs> but but you know he's pretty he's just typically overconfident here, and and his role in this story is to be shown up, right? Um, For sure. So do you want to tell us about how it goes when when he when he oh, passes it off? Doesn't go so well. The uh the grand marshal here sort of stares at these instruments and makes these hmm noises here and uh and then ultimately concludes I, I do find this panel a little bit heartbreaking to see sort of his illusions all just instantly shattered like that. Neither the bow nor the canoe meet woodchuck standards. I must refuse the generals their merit badges. What? Yeah, it's it's got to be a rude awakening. Uh, and and to add insult, he's actually got them on the verge of being demoted <laughs> oh, to mere four-star general. <laughs> you know, but Donald's like, hey, you, you got to at least test them first. Got them. <laughs> And, and this is, you know, the rest of the story is going to play out according to this great formula. We've got uh, we've got three tests. So, you know, it's, they'll guide the rest of the story. He's going to test out the canoe, which uh, he says steers like a plow and leaks like a hole and, and <laughs> just fracks with him in it. Yeah. And, and the fully clothed major, what is he again? The fully clothed the leader yeah. Yeah, uh, has a cramp and can't swim. So, Indeed. you know, the, yeah, it's that's... very convenient. So, so this is the opportunity for Donald to test <laughs> out my, I mean, General Hughes <laughs> bow by firing out a line. Yeah, um, my goodness. I mean, if he, uh, if he saw how his canoe worked and yet he still has confidence in his bow there, that's a... Uh, that is, that's some confidence. Right. Yeah, I guess he's, maybe he's supposing it was just a fluke. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the arrow goes all of, <laughs> all of four feet. So of course, <laughs> of, of course, we've got the swimming test coming into play now as Donald yeah. has to go out and life save him. And you know, th this is this really is one of those big risks that they say uh, you got to be careful trying to help a drowning person. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because the the thing happens where he pulls Donald under, and they're kind of yeah. like just stuck <laughs> out there. They do look kind of funny. Their faces there, where they're sort of clawing at each other in the water with their tongues out. Yeah, yeah, that's a very funny. That's a very funny panel, even if it is a a, a dangerous situation. It's yeah. it's still funny animal enough that we can we can find yeah. it amusing. So you know, by and by, the nephews do hear what's going on, and they they race over to to save them, but they can't find their stuff. And eventually, Donald, as he's as he's floating on a life a life saving log, that the nephew swam out to him he he has to admit he has to confess yeah. that he hid them in the back of the bushes yeah and, and you want to tell us um about the the next sequence here jeff well the martial law sort of puts him in his place i can see see sir that you have never been a woodchuck so that's no Just fun <laughs> hammering hammering the point home that he yeah. he indeed is not up to woodchuck snuff. Yeah, tell us about the next part. But yeah, then the uh the marshal there is rescued, but unfortunately Donald is still uh he's drifted into the mill race. It's too late to save him and nephew declares and we see the this big old sort of intimidating mill wheel, whatever you call it, that uh Donald is being pulled into there and I guess he fall okay, so he falls down the waterfall and then he's being drifted into the terrible demons 
Whirlpool. That's uh, they have their way with names here. And how can he be saved? How is it possible? He's doomed. Only a line shot from a mighty bow can save him. <laughs> so conveniently, we have a mighty bow around here, seemingly. A true instrument, General Huey, strong as the finest steel. And that's another sort of uh, sort of the kid wish fulfillment kind of thing, I think. Uh, you know, how cool it would be to be acknowledged as being awesome like that. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I like the the sharp salute that the nephew, you know, this is an emergency situation, but he's <laughs> still gonna take time to get a snappy salute exactly. and comment that it's made to rigid woodchuck <laughs> specifications. And and you know, and it's funny again, right? Because um we've got this same thing. Conveniently, only the thing that we you were gonna originally be tested on can save you. But here it's it's less of a chancy, you know, fluke thing that that Bornworthy was like yeah. Uh, they they utilized his yeah, yeah. failure, I guess. Here they're utilizing their competence. <laughs> yeah. And so you know the 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 woodchuck leader gets off the shot because he's the adult in the room, I guess, um, or at the <laughs> mill pond. And Donald, uh, you know, has an expression of joy as the arrow thunks mere inches from his face into the <laughs> log, uh, and and he's pulled out to safety. And we get we get our little uh, we get our little epilogue as they talk about how, do you, you want to close it out? We not only won our merit badges, Uncle Donald, we got promoted way up in rank. We're 10-star generals now. Kind of ostentatious uniforms there with epaulets. Um, by the way, what was your rank in the little boonheads? None of your doggone business. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just clueless. They have no idea, like, what, what he was going through, what was going through his mind. They're just sort of, uh, you know, doing their thing, their woodchuck thing. Yeah, they're, they're just proud of themselves. They're kind of oblivious to his, um, as you say, his disappointment, his humiliation here. This is a very funny ending. I I, I love the idea of these little boys with the epaulets <laughs> and, and the over-the-top title. This is very, very funny, very strong. Um, and this one's ranked a little bit lower than our first story. Oh, really? This one gets a yeah, it gets a 7.2 out of 10. It's it's still yeah. a fairly strong story with um number 719. Oh, I mean, I would definitely rank this above the uh, last one, so. You know, I I would too. And I wonder how much of that. And 10 star generals if I look on my little uh goofy spreadsheet. This one is number 116 on the list of all of his. So that would be you know, it's still in the upper half of yeah. all of his stories. Um, it's not too far ranked below the the Operation Saint Bernard, but but as you say, I I do like this one um, just a little bit better. Yeah, this that, that one was ninety third. Um, I, I think these are both very so strong stories, both like roughly in the same neighborhood or the same tier or whatever. This one to me though, it just it feels like such a classic, like synthesizing. Yeah everything about it feels sort of more yeah sort of deeper more sort of potential subtext to it as well it's uh right which and, I appreciate. And it, it has a really interesting conflict that other one does have a great gag and it maybe maybe it stands out for people just because it is the first appearance of the woodchucks um i imagine it just people it gets more attention that way it's it's kind of boulevard's big showing but yeah i i think these are both really fun uh, very enjoyable woodchuck stories. There's, they're like I said, they're, neither of them are all-time classics or anything. Um, do you have any 
any kind of closing thoughts about no. this story? I think this, I mean, this one really is sort of one of my favorites. I might almost dispute that. Uh, not all time classic uh, characterization. Sure in this case but uh yeah no i mean I definitely there's really a lot to chew on i i do want to uh because i was i was once again going through the index page and obviously it's been published all over so i just wanted to point out one title this hungarian title here which uh yeah. i've tried to read it is uh seget said seget said which means according to google translate help help <laughs> so it's uh i don't know <laughs> That's yeah, right. that's awesome. Yeah, I guess you're you're currently in Estonia, is that right? It's too bad we can't look up the Estonian. If they, if there are, uh, I mean, a lot some a lot some of these have definitely been published here. I uh, but yeah, I mean, if it's but yeah, it doesn't I, look I, like this one's been published or localized well, over sometimes there. Sometimes you don't know quite whether you know whether the index entry is complete. You know whether it's been fully indexed because I think in like small countries like this, a lot of the uh, comics aren't necessarily fully uh index there on index so hard to yeah, say that's, that's true it's a crowdsource vehicle and 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 you know it's it's a great resource but it does rely on people uh yeah let me take a look inexperto y cabezota that looks like a fun title in spanish um i think cabezota means like thick-headed or bone-headed or something <laughs> okay inexperto obviously is an expert detect language inexperienced and stubborn yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that Spanish title. I think, and you did cover this one in uh, in your your great duck comic review blog. I didn't see if there's any. I, I love I love the panels that you choose to highlight in those entries. You commented how they're remarkably forbearing throughout all of this. They are. Yeah. Really? So, I think, uh... so you're you're kind of focused on like you know, how they they really do indulge Donald. They're very patient in this one, and, and it looks like you're commenting a lot about donald's inferiority complex yeah i mean that's sort of what i was i think focusing on it's sort of this inner drama that's kind of kind of invisible in the story but kind of uh sort of there in the background as subtext yeah i think you're right because you can really see it play out in that last panel right where they're 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 just oblivious to his like <laughs> defeat um that's interesting like i i really took from this kind of the idea of the wish fulfillment and and it's it's interesting what you took from this and i think they're both really yeah, good no, things no, to, uh, yeah the, the fact that there are so many different uh things you can take from it is sort of a tribute to the richness of the material right well, I'm always glad when I'm not accidentally cribbing from you in these, because I do sometimes, <laughs> if, if there's like meager resources online, references, sure. I'll, I'll sometimes check the old Duck Comics <laughs> review um, yeah, to see if, how I can goose out, you know, if, if, it, if it triggers any other thoughts of mine rather than stealing wholesale from you, but... Um, but like I said, people should definitely check check you out because it's some really sharp writing. And, you know, I think we had some great things to say about these. We, we yeah. made some really good comparisons here. So so I won't I won't belabor the point other than to um, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Barks Remarks 10 page podcast. Right on. People can find you, as we said on the Duck Comics Review, they can look for Barks Remarks on various social media, Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, and you know, check us out on, on the episode for the other podcast, which you and I are going to record momentarily. Indeed. Indeed.